Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to Objection to the Rule, news and discussion from a Brooklyn lens every Sunday live at 1. It's January 28th, and I'm Rosemary Misdary taking the mic, the main mic today, but Ori and Violet are in the studio with us. In light of Vice President Pence's recent visit to Jerusalem to amplify the president's announcement to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and news that the embassy will be moved to in 2019, we are exploring the Palestinian perspective on today's show. Joining, with, uh, joining us in the studio is Paul Arudi, a human rights activist with the International Solidarity Movement and founder of the Free Gaza Movement. He is joining us by phone from California. Hello, Paul. Hi, how are you, Rosie? Hello. Um, also joining us by phone is Amal Wahdan. Amal is a, is a busy political and human rights activist. Amal is a board member of, Free Pal- of the Free Palestine Movement and the Women's Work Committee. Amal is the head of the Sheikh Hassan Foundation for Culture and Science. Amal joins us from Ramallah. Amal, how is the weather in Ramallah? Yeah, it's very cold here. It's similar to the weather in New York. About four degrees now. Amal and Paul. And Paul, also feel free to interject perspective for us. I wanted to give the listeners a real picture of life in Palestine. Palestinians and outsiders alike describe Palestine as an open-air prison. Please describe this to us, the life of Palestinians. Um, okay, first of all, the land of Palestine has been um, divided in 1948, which limits um, our prisons here in the West Bank, Gaza, and uh, Jerusalem, according um, or based on the occupation of 1967. Um, by by the years, all the procedures taken by the Israeli occupation had made uh, the Palestinian lives under occupation is unbearable. Um, we lack freedom of movement, freedom of traveling, freedom from um, going from one place to another, um, freedom to go and visit Jerusalem or even go and visit Gaza. Now each of these three parts of the West Bank and Gaza, which were occupied in 1967, they suffer. They suffer from this occupation and from the measure of the measures of the occupation. But also, each part suffers from distinguished or different sorts of problems. Like, for example, in the West Bank. There is no freedom of movement from one city to another. If we want to move from one city to another, we have to go through checkposts. We cannot enter Jerusalem. There is a huge checkpost around Jerusalem from all um, directions that makes it um, hard for uh, Palestinians from the north, from the south, to go and enter um, uh, Jerusalem. Um, both faiths, Christians and uh, Muslims, cannot, uh, do not have the right to go and uh, visit the holy sites in Jerusalem. Uh, it's hard for us to travel from um, the country to the outside world. 
the only path that we can go uh, through is Jordan. We cannot use uh, the airport in, in Lod or what is called now Bingorion Airport because it's limited only to those who live, uh, who carry Israeli passports and who those who carry um, Jerusalem ID cards. Uh, it's not like um, uh, people of the U.S., for example, who are uh, who have the freedom to travel from one city to another, from one state to another. They can go by airplane, they can go by uh, by land. Uh, but for us, if we want to go, for example, to uh, visit uh, the states, if I want to visit my family in the state, I have to go through Jordan, and from Jordan, I have to take. Um, uh, the aeroplane either through Europe or direct to, to the States, which uh, adds to, to my traveling hours another uh, eight to ten hours. Sometimes I get returned from um, Bridge uh, LMB. That's the name of the bridge that we had to cross in order to go to the Jordanian side. Uh, like a year ago, I was prevented from traveling um, and I have uh, to, to hire a lawyer in order to take this pan. Um, if, to go from one place to another, as I said, um, sometimes we have uh, to. Uh, we are facing uh, difficulties. For example, my daughter goes to Nablus, which is about 40 kilometers from here, uh, about 28 miles. She should, um, uh, you know, travel within like uh, 30 minutes. It takes her sometimes two hours to reach uh, Najah University, where she works which is in Nablus, and um, makes it hard for me even uh, when the situation is tough, when there are uh, problems uh, with the settlers who live on, on, on the road between here and uh, Nablus, because there, there is always um, uh, armed settlers who intercept um, the, the traffic, Palestinian cars, and sometimes they uh, delay um, their movement reaching to Nablus, and uh, it makes it hard for me, you know, um, uh, every time I have to worry about my daughter, which route she's taking, if she's, uh, uh, you know, if she uh, arrives safe or not. This kind of life is very difficult on us. We have, um, in every movement, in everything we, we think of, we have to think of the measures uh, taken by the Israeli occupation against us. Um, just to clarify, just to clarify, when you get uh, when when your daughter is going to uh, Nablus and she is getting uh, there is an interception of the traffic. Can you explain what that actually is? Well, they, uh, there is um, uh, checkposts on the road between cities. Uh, these checkposts are uh, permanent checkposts. And sometimes they add another check post on the road or whenever the settlers um, feel like, you know, uh, attacking the Palestinians, taking those roads, attacking them by stones. Uh, and it happened to my daughter. They hit the car that she was in and uh, three passengers, three um, uh, employees of Najah University got uh, uh, to be taken to the hospital because uh, they were hurt by the stones that they were um, uh, attacked by. So, um, so you're uh, saying the settlers these road are... Blocks, these roadblocks, um, uh, they have um, many incidents happened there. 
uh, like for example uh, shooting uh, citizens at the, at the uh, check post. Uh, just uh, four days ago, two Palestinians were shot uh, and wounded on uh, this check post, which makes it um, terrifying for us here and for my uh, daughter. We, uh, we have to make uh, several phone calls to make sure um, that she's okay or she's taking a safe bath to come back home. Who shot and the Palestinians at the checkpoint? Uh, Israeli soldiers. But in, at Do you know why? Post, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Do you know why? Well, uh, they always say that uh, they were, um, uh, you know, uh, threatened, their lives were threatened by Palestinians. Even though these Palestinians do not carry weapons, it's the settlers and the soldiers, the Israeli soldiers who are carrying these weapons. The Palestinians are unarmed. So um, even if they suspect that uh, this Palestinian might be carrying a stone or might be carrying a knife, they shoot to kill. They have these orders. They, this is an explicit order for them to shoot, uh, uh, you know, shoot to kill. Uh, this, li- this life under occupation, as I said, uh, it makes it hard for us. For example, if I want to go to Jerusalem, there is um, one, uh, I have to take a permission. If I don't take a permission from the Israeli occupation authorities, I, I can't go to Jerusalem. But if you, um, if somebody who has a Jerusalem ID card, who can enter um, Jerusalem, um, it, they block the road of the of other West Bank West Bankers who are traveling between cities. Like this route um, to Jerusalem, one route is for the Arabs, and one the other routes are for Israeli settlers who are entering to Jerusalem, who are um, uh, you know. Um, driving from the settlements in the West Bank, going to Jer- the, to Jerusalem, or going to other cities, uh, other Palestinian cities inside uh, Israel. So one traffic line is, or uh, uh, route, is for um, Israeli settlers. One is for the Palestinians. Imagine that uh, you live in New York and you want to go between Brooklyn and Manhattan, but you find a check post in the middle of the road. And one route says explicitly, this is for white and this is for uh, black people. You know, just reminding the American people who were, um, you know, uh, facing um, um, slavery procedures and slavery enslaving black people just because they were black we are being enslaved by the israeli occupation because we are arab palestinians and this is not only uh, um, reminds us of south african apartheid it reminds us of the slavery uh, period in in the us and in other places as well I wanted to ask you one thing about traveling. For example, if you're in uh, you're in Ramallah, what if you wanted to visit a Palestinian friend in uh, Gaza? What is the struggle of of, of there getting? There is no way I can do that. There is no damn way I can do this. Uh, this procedure. Why, what's what's the why, why can't you get to Gaza? It is a Palestinian because territory. Gaza has been under siege for ten years. And West Bankers cannot go to Gaza as Gazans cannot enter uh, to come to the West Bank. They live in isolation 
for 10 years. They live under siege for, for, 10, year, for 10 years now. Uh, the only way I, I could go and visit Gaza is if um, the Rafah, Rafah border, which is uh, on the... Um, uh, which is between uh, the Gaza Strip and uh, Egypt. And if the, uh, if the doors are open for us to go to Gaza from the Egyptian uh, side, um, th- this life has um, been uh, really hard for Palestinians who are living in different parts of Palestine, even those who live in 1948. They have their own problems. People who are living in Jerusalem, Arabs, um, Arab Palestinians living in Jerusalem, they have their own problems. Now we are threatened, actually, um, that um, the settlements uh, and um, Israeli borders are uh, getting um, inside um, the West Bank. I wanted to it's ask reaching, you... I wanted to... Uh, can we ask you a quick question? Sorry, we'll, we'll get back to it. Can we ask you a quick question? Go ahead, Violet. Yeah. Hi, uh, this is Violet. Hi, Amal. Um, I'm just curious uh, if you can tell us a little bit about the situation with building permits uh, in Palestine. Um, when you want to build a new house or build an addition to your house, what's the process like for you? If I want to, uh, to build an extension to my house? Yes, or a new house. Well, in, in our area here, which called Area C, uh, we go to the local uh, council. But in Jerusalem, for example, they cannot do this at all. If they dare to do an extension, they will come and demolish it. First, because they don't give them a permission to build. Second, if they want to give a, a permission, it's usually costing them 500,000 shekels, which is around um, um, $150,000 just to build, to build an extension, a, a room um, four by, uh, by four meters, for example. In the Jerusalem area, it's hard. In other areas of the West Bank, which is area... Area B and Area C, because, you know, according to the Oslo um, Accords, um, they divided the West Bank into Area A, Area B, Area C. Area A is under the Palestinian Authority, which means we go to the local councils here to get permits for uh, building. But if, if it's close to a settlement nearby, like where I live here, there are two settlements, one in the north, one in south um, southeast. Uh, like uh, I lost lands, my grandfather and my father lost lands in, to these two settlements uh, here. If my, if my land close to a settlement, I cannot build in that land. Not only they confiscated our, uh, my grandfather and my father's lands, but also I cannot build close to these um, settlements. I wanted to ask you about the settlers. Um, I know that when we had spoken, you mentioned that there, the, there's actually settlers one kilometer away from you. Can you um, uh, describe the, the uh, or talk about the tension between uh, the settlers and the Palestinians, at least in Ramallah? Yes. Um, as I said, it's very close um, distance between us and these settlers. And um, whenever the Israeli uh, occupation um, feels like it, they just close the roads on us. 
So these roads become totally, um, you know, occupied by the settlers, and we cannot uh, take the uh, normal route that we take from uh, one place to another. We have to go to a longer route in order uh, to to reach our uh, distance. Uh, these settlers usually provoke Palestinians. They either throw stones or start shooting uh, in the air to terrify uh, people. Like, for example, the um, uh, Algerazon refugee camp, who is um, uh, on the border of this um, uh, settlement, it's called Bet Il. Um, on uh, Albire, uh, it was built on Albire lands, on uh, my grandfather and my father's land. Uh, this, these settlers usually um, start terrifying kids from Algerazon refugee camps. This camp has been called martyrs uh, refugee camp because they killed lots of school kids. We are talking about 15 years under, 15 years old kids who've been, um, you know, shooted at regularly, either because they are demonstrating against the occupation or because they are passing by. So, so many um, people um, were traveling with, the, with their cars, passing by this settlement, and they got uh, shot at by these settlers. We're going to have to go to uh, a break soon, but I, before we go on this break, I wanted to ask you, I think it's very important to, uh, this question is very important. Why do, you ex- why do you stay and explain the Palestinian attachment to the land? Well, um, simply because this is our land, that's where we belong, and that's where our ancestors uh, belonged before us. Uh, this attachment to the land for us means our the land means our lives here. Um, it's simply because um, when you choose um, uh, to live in one place, uh, when, when this place is yours, when when you know. Uh, that your ancestors were uh, raised here and uh, you have your uh, life, your uh, future, your kids' future in this land, it's hard to see that someone is uh, coming and taking this uh, precious um, precious uh, thing, for, uh, which means a lot to you, uh, especially under uh, false pretexts, uh, taking our land from us or... Um, depriving us from, like uh, like myself, for example, depriving me from uh, uh, reaching my land, which is uh, only uh, less than a mile away, away from me, or planting it or cultivating it. This means a violation of my right as a human being. I can't imagine any American who... Uh, who would be stay silent when someone else comes and steal his house from him or steal his land from him? I know that people uh, take the uh, the gun and shoot if they um, if someone trespass uh, their fence around the house. So imagine when we are uh, subjected uh, to continuous attacks by Israeli soldiers and by settlers in order to take our land. And this is not uh, something, um, the land is not something like the Palestinians, um, for them the land uh, means life, especially after um, uh, they experienced the 1948 uh, war 
and when they were forced by the gun to leave their uh, houses and scattered in refugee camps in Lebanon and Jordan and in Syria. Uh, large of these refugee camps for 70 years uh, in these refugee camps is like hell. No one can imagine to be deprived from his right to his land, from his right to have um, a passport, from his right to uh, to have um, uh, to live in peace in his own land and be deprived in uh, other countries, deprived of his simple right to work, to study, to um, uh, to buy a land and uh, to live uh, normally as any uh, other person. This Amal, is, uh, Amal, we're gonna, um, I want to uh, pick up this uh, the rest of this question, but we're going to take a, a short break. Can you stay on the line with us? Yes, sure. Please stay, and we're going to take a few minutes break. Hey, this is Matt Krahula from the Nightmare River Band. Come check us out on February 1st when we play Radio Free Brooklyn's first Thursdays at the Well. We'll be joined by Karen and the Sorrows and Tatters and Rags. Show starts at 8. See you there. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We have um, Paul. Are you on the phone with us? I am. Oh, I thought we lost you. Thank God. Um, I just wanted to pause for a moment, and I wanted to have Paul and Amal, feel free to jump in. But I wanted to do a little concise background history lesson and I want you to take us for a journey from before the idea of the Israeli state to the UN Resolution 181 to UN Resolution 2334. And if you're listening and you don't know what all these numbers mean, Paul will touch upon it. And then touching upon Hamas, the Palestinian Authority, the PLO, to today where the conflict continues. Go ahead, Paul. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we could start with the origin. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Good. Um, with the origins of uh, the problem, which essentially go back to the, the origins of the Zionist movement in the 19th century. And at that time, the founder of uh, modern Zionism, uh, Theodor Herzl, uh, developed a plan which was approved by uh, the Zionist councils in Europe uh, to create a Jewish state uh, in Palestine, which at the time had a, a Jewish population of less than 5%. Uh, the rest were Palestinian, uh, Christian, and, uh, um, and Muslim Arabs. Uh, and even the, the Jews who were there were essentially Jewish Arabs, uh, who were not Zionists. So, um, anyway, he, he, uh, he developed a plan, and according to the plan, the existing non-Jewish uh, population would be expelled, uh, as he called it, spirited away to neighboring lands. So the idea was to remove the existing population of Palestine and replace it with an immigrant population coming from, at the time he was thinking mostly Europe. So uh, this eventually, they got the support of Britain and later the United States and France and other countries, and uh, they, uh, they brought in against the will of the existing population, uh, large numbers of uh, immigrants, but still very far from a majority, and in, even in uh, with the help, you could call it, of uh, the Nazi government in Germany expelling and killing Jews, uh, so that the result was that many of them wanted to leave. Uh, so many of them came to Palestine, but nevertheless, even on the eve of the creation of Resolution 181 that you referred to, to par- uh, partition Palestine, uh, the, the population uh, of, uh, the, uh, of Jews in, uh, in Palestine compared to uh, Palestinian, non-Jewish <coughs> Palestinians <coughs> was slightly less than one-third. So at that time... Uh, the Zionists, with their allies in the West, managed to push through the brand-new United Nations, uh, this resolution partitioning uh, Palestine and giving <coughs> to the minority Jewish population a majority of the land. And uh, after that, the, uh, the Jewish militias, which had gotten 
support and of uh, arms uh, from various places in Europe uh, and uh, had very, actually, fairly powerful forces, they managed to expel a majority of the um, Palestinian Arab population, uh, which nevertheless was, uh, was actually more than the Jewish population at the time. So, um, so this, was, this is the origin of poverty. Uh, I mean, Amal referred to this, uh, the expulsion and the creation of the refugee problem. Uh, um, it goes back this far, but it doesn't end there. Um, Israel has been expelling on a continuing basis since 1948 until today. They are finding ways of expelling uh, the existing population, sometimes in large numbers, and sometimes day to day with canceling the the um, the IDs of uh, of Palestinians who go abroad to study or work or something, and saying, "Sorry, you're no longer uh, uh, a citizen here. You're no longer allowed to return." And there are many others, uh, many other measures that we could talk about, such as not allowing Palestinians to marry Palestinians. Uh, and so they have to go to marry Palestinians somewhere else. Uh, as it, can, you uh, specifically, can you explain that specific, to this, the idea yeah. that, uh, clarify that about Palestinians not being able to marry Palestinians? Uh, be more specific. Well, we have, we have Palestinians, as Amal was saying, in Gaza and in the West Bank, and there are Palestinians in uh, what is recognized by the United Nations as, as Israel, which is not the same thing as what Israel considers to be Israel. Um, and these people have citizenship, these Palestinians have citizenship in Israel. Well, the, the citizens of Israel are not allowed to marry Palestinians uh, in these other places unless they move to those places and cease being Israeli citizens. Uh, and uh, so this is another way in which they can prevent uh, more, uh, the, reduce the population. There are all sorts of ways of trying to uh, implement ethnic cleansing or genocide of the Palestinian population. But that's ultimately so the Palestinians. Uh, so the Pal so the Palestinians who have Israeli citizenship lose their citizenship if they marry a Palestinian that doesn't have Israeli citizenship. Is that correct? Uh, well, if they want to live with them, yes. I mean, they can marry them, but they have to remain in Israel, and their spouse has to remain in, let's say, the West Bank or Gaza or something like that. Well, technically, that's not marriage. <laughs> exactly. I mean... Go ahead, Paul. Continue. So, I, um, I don't know. Where would you like me to go from here? Well, I want... I wanted you to also touch upon, you know, the different uh, authorities in Palestine that have arisen, like Hamas. Well, Hamas is not oh, an authority, yes. but Palestinian Authority in the PLO and, as I said, Hamas. Right. Uh, the PLO is an uh, organization that is not, uh, let's say, uh, territory dependent, and it's not. It is an organ, supposedly an organization of all. Uh, Palestinian uh, movement for liberation. Uh, however, the um, Hamas uh, decided not, and there are other uh, movements, 
have decided not to be part of it uh, because the PLO passed a resolution essentially recognizing uh, Israel back uh, uh, when Arafat was negotiating. Uh, and, um, and Hamas didn't recognize uh, that didn't want to be a part of that. So uh, why did they? Why did why did they not want to be a part of that? Well, because they, they felt that uh, they got nothing in return, and because they feel that uh, Israel is a uh, is illegitimate and it has usurped Palestinian land. Uh, it is it is not uh, Israel doesn't have the right to to seize Palestinian land to declare it. Uh, for Jews, uh, 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 you know, uh, first for Jews and secondly for everybody else, and to expel Palestinians uh, in this way. So they, uh, until until now, they don't recognize uh, the state of Israel. They consider, consider it illegitimate. And in fact, we, uh, a lot of uh, Americans are accustomed to thinking of Palestinians in terms of the ones living in areas controlled by Israel. That is to say, Israel itself, if you want to call it that, uh, and uh, the West Bank, the West Bank, Jerusalem, uh, and uh, Gaza, uh, the Golan Heights, which is, uh, which is not actually Palestine, is uh, Syria, but, and so forth. So, um, they... Uh, there are, we have to recognize that the majority of Palestine, the Palestinians, live outside Palestine. They live in refugee camps still, in, uh, uh, in Jordan, in uh, Lebanon, uh, or maybe not in refugee camps, but also in other, uh, other countries in the West, in the, in the Gulf states, uh, the Persian Gulf states, and uh, in Syria. And uh, so forth. I mean, they, they they live outside Palestine, and they they basically have uh, little opportunity, if any, to to even see their their home in Palestine. Uh, Americans, uh, the uh, Palestinians who have American citizenship, sometimes not always, uh, are permitted to enter on American passports and visit their land for brief periods of time. That's it. Uh, and these Palestinians, by and large, uh, also do not consider uh, Israel to be a legitimate state because, partly because it's a racist state, partly because they stole the land, partly because uh, they they use manipulative measures uh, in the United Nations in uh, 1947 to have it uh, uh, to, to partition the land, and so on and so forth. But uh, that's that's the situation. I want to mention that Amal, and she can speak to this, is also uh, on the governing committee of the One State Assembly, which argues that uh, people whose home is Palestine uh, are belong in a single state where uh, with equal rights for for everyone, and. Uh, and even though the non-Palestinians, namely the, the Jewish population of what's called Israel, is uh, came under uh, illegal means, by illegal means, 
uh, and uh, took the land are living there without the permission of the majority uh, indigenous population. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, they uh, are welcome to apply and and, uh, stand a good chance of being uh, uh, accepted uh, despite their illegitimate origins uh, in a in a state where uh, where everyone has equal rights. So, so this, I think this is important to recognize. Uh, hey, Paul. This is Violet. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you. Um, there's certain we hear the news. There are certain stirrings among Palestinian leadership. Um, that uh, given the Jerusalem decision uh, by Trump in the U.S., the struggle now would be for a one-state solution that's not an ethnic state and that's uh, democratic where Palestinians have equal civil rights. Uh, Do you see that among uh, Palestinians that you know or among uh, Palestinian uh, advocacy groups? And Mal, feel free to jump in too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I uh, I would say that among uh, Palestine solidarity groups, but uh, uh, but also among Palestinian groups, this is very much uh, what they see as a solution. The um, that some of them are willing to accept a uh, two-state solution, but I think even among those who would accept it, uh, who are a minority, um, they, uh, it's not what they prefer. Uh, so I, I think that the problem is on the opposite side. The problem is on the uh, Israeli side. The uh, Israelis absolutely do not want uh, a, a single state uh, without uh, ethnic identity. The whole purpose of the state of Israel was to create a, uh, a state which is for Jews. Uh, if we say that just as South Africa was a state, uh, uh, the apartheid regime was a state for whites, uh, this idea of having a state and excluding um, uh, those who don't belong to a certain ethnic or religious group or, uh, or racial group India. You're Dagestani, which comes from Dagestan in, in uh, 
uh, in what's now what used to be the Soviet Union, and uh, uh, Almasri from Egypt, uh, uh, Frangia from France uh, came coming with the Crusades. All of these, all of these uh, people came to Palestine, and they were welcomed. They were welcomed. I wanted to ask. Paul, if I may interrupt you, I wanted to ask Amal to say something about this, because I know that when, uh, when we spoke uh, previously, she is in support of a, a one-state solution. Amal, can you speak about that? And can you tell us... Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and can okay. you tell us if more Palestinians are uh, into this idea now, at this time? Uh, okay. Uh, first of all, let me touch on uh, on the uh, basis of how this um, uh, colonize, um, um, colonized entity was established from the beginning. Just a, a small uh, comment, and then I will answer this. Okay. Um, Let's uh, keep that comment brief because we want to hear about the about the one state solution. But please feel free to go ahead. Okay. Uh, the, uh, establishment of uh, this um, entity is uh, as a colonial settlement entity in Palestine has been serving um, the, the um, European um, uh, colonial era uh, before and after. Uh, it's because of its location and at that time because of this uh, its um, uh, location close to the uh, Suez Canal and location uh, close to the uh, oil fields in the Arab Peninsula. So they needed a base here in order to uh, get, uh, you know, to hold uh, their, you know, to grip the land and to all the fortunes of the area here. It's very strategic for them to have this. But in order to, uh, to build um, an, a base here, they needed um, uh, a plan. They needed, uh, you know, a substantial uh, plan that can work. And they found that this can be done using the mythology of the Jewish people and land with no people to people without land and uh, the, the promised land and all this myth, uh, religious myth uh, that drove, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, Jews from all over the world to this uh, place based on the religious uh, religion idea. And this has been proven to all settlers, um, colonizer settlers, uh, that uh, this uh, entity, this colonial apartheid uh, regime here, is not bringing them security. On the contrary, on the contrary, if we uh, dry, uh, dry, draw um, a line, a diagram, it shows that each each era has uh, bring them less security and it is bringing them less uh, security for us to live here um, in one state and now i come to the one state uh, uh, initiative um, it this um, uh, structure colonial apartheid structure has to be dismantled and its ties with imperialist uh, imperial uh, powers um, and global imperial powers has to be um, uh, cut and it has uh, to we have to live as people on this land together 
based on equality, based on justice, and based on based on uh, without any discrimination between people based on their religion or their color or their background or their um, uh, nationality. That's the solution that we think is the best for all the people uh, here. Otherwise, it is a collective suicide for everybody. They will continue to kill from the Palestinians, and the Palestinians have the right to defend themselves and to defend their lives and to defend their land. So that solution, that just solution, is good for both. And if we remember South Africa, if we remember uh, the miseries that uh, the the, um, uh, people of the land had faced during these um, uh, years of um, um, inequality and discrimination and apartheid regime, we we will you know we will reach the same conclusion that can be applied here. Palestinians, all citizens who are living here on this land, whether they come from abroad or you know the the people of the land, the um, Palestinians who've been living here for thousands of years, can live together based on equal rights. Do most Palestinians support this one-state solution? Well, uh, it's been, um, you know, it's been talking about uh, for um, uh, years now. It hasn't been put on the table as yet, but, um, you know, some Palestinians and Israelis are discussing this together, and there are more Israelis are um, welcoming this idea, but among Palestinians, there are people, more people from our side who are uh, with this idea on uh, the condition that uh, right of return is preserved for all Palestinians who have been kicked out from uh, their lands in 1948, which um, can amount now to 7 million people who are living in refugee camps, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and in, uh, in the diaspora as well. Of course, and refugees who ha- are living here in, in Gaza, whether in Gaza or in the West Bank, these people have the right to go to their homeland. And it's not the right of return goes uh, both sides. If any Israeli, between brackets, if a Jew wants to leave this country, it's his freedom to leave this country and go to wherever he came from. It is his uh, freedom. It is his choice. But it's, it's also our uh, or the Palestinian choice to come to their homeland. And most Palestinians, the majority of the Palestinians who have been uh, forced out of their lands and their uh, grandchildren and grandchildren, they wanted to come back to Palestine. So we are giving both sides the right of return. Um, instead of having this right of return to anybody because um, he's a Jew. Uh, if you limit this right to a certain category of people, this is discrimination. You are discriminating against any other uh, people, especially the people of the land, Palestinians, Arab Palestinians who have been living, their ancestors have been living here for uh, thousands of years. Amal, I wanted to also 
quickly, I wanted to ask you about what has been the Palestinian reaction to the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Well, it proved to us that uh, the U.S. was and still the cause of our problem, the cause of the Palestinian problem, because um, without the help, without the financial aid of the U.S., Amal, Amal, are you still with us? Yes, I am. Okay, uh, we lost you for a moment. I got nervous. So can you start from the beginning of what the Palestinian reaction to the U.S. recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Go ahead. Okay, um, for decades we have been seeing, uh, saying that the U.S. is the cause of the of our problem because it is the country that is sponsoring Israel. It is the country that is financing it and uh, providing it with the, uh, you know, top of the range of uh, military and technology, etc., etc. And as I said before, this is a base for the U.S. uh, strategical, um, you know, interest in the area and uh, in the region as well. So we believe that um, uh, this is being biased against Palestinian, and the U.S. is uh, has never been neutral when it comes to our historic and just right as Palestinians to can our you, right. Can you clarify what? Can you clarify? Sorry, can you clarify what has uh, what uh, leads the Palestinians to believe that the U.S. is biased? I just want to hear what your thoughts on that are. What uh, what exactly leads you to believe that, other than the U.S. recognition yeah, of Jerusalem? I, I was. Uh, I was going to, to Sorry. explain it. It is, it is uh, we believe that uh, this is a discrimination against uh, Arab Palestinians who have the right to Jerusalem. Why giving this um, uh, Jerusalem uh, to one uh, sect of the people at the expense of the other? Jerusalem is very important to both faiths, to cre- uh, Arab uh, Palestinian Christians Arab-Palestinian Muslims, why do you want to designate this uh, holy place to only one um, uh, one faith at the expense of the others? If you, if the U.S. goes ahead with this uh, with this decision, this means it's the first step of ethnic cleansing of uh, Palestinians, Arab Palestinians from Jerusalem. We're going again. The cycle will go again. Uh, uh, that was played in 1948. It will go again here. This is a violation of all UN resolutions regarding the Palestinian issue. UN resolutions consider Jerusalem as part of the occupied Arab land of 1967 by considering it as a capital or eternal capital of the Jewish, between brackets, of the Jewish states. It's not only being um, discriminated against the the Palestinian, it's being un, um, it's being totally biased to one uh, uh, to the settlers, let's say, to the colonizers of Palestine at the expense of the Palestinians. Amal, let me uh, disagree with you on one thing, which is so, that this uh, is the first step. As I said, step, uh, this is going to escalate. 
the struggle of the Palestinians, the struggle of the Palestinians uh, to self-determination, to sovereignty over their land. These Oslo Accords proved again, which was, by the way, which was uh, sponsored and uh, nourished by the U.S. Uh, administration since the beginning, now they are uh, violating their own agreements, the agreements that they uh, worked on. We're actually... And they working against the UN, UN resolutions that they were part of. I don't want to interrupt you, but we're uh, we're running out of time. And we have, Ori has one question that he wanted to ask. So specifically with this issue, Amal, and all of these issues kind of surrounding the what you've been talking about, how does the media play a role, both the, the state and local media around you and also international media here in, you know, here in the U.S. and other parts of the world? Of course, uh, the main media is—they um, don't see the facts as they are on on the ground. They manipulate the facts to their uh, own interest. Of course, they don't present our views as being victims here, as being uh, abused and being um, uh, occupied and colonized for decades. And this is one problem. We have to go to alternative media in order, like yours, for example, in order to express uh, our ideas and our views about the whole situation, which relates, which is related to our lives and our future and our history may I and make, uh, uh, an our culture. Uh, the uh, the main media an has media. played. Uh, um, Paul. It's been manipulated by uh, politicians and by uh, the government, the U.S. government. Amal, Paul would like to interject an example. Go ahead, Paul. The example is the uh, the main, uh, let's say the the uh, what do they call it, the, the main journalist for the New York Times in Jerusalem lives in a confiscated Arab house. Uh, in West Jerusalem, and uh, his uh, his son is in the Israeli military. He uh, he has dual citizenship himself. Now uh, that's the New York Times. Uh, that it's just an example of the way in which the Western media is totally in the hands and, and totally back the Israeli point of view and makes excuses for everything that Israel does. Uh, showing only that that side of the issue. And you are one of the few uh, news uh, outlets to try to show the Palestinian point of view. We're running out of time right now, and I wanted to um, I wanted to give you a moment. I know that uh, uh, Amal's organization, uh, the Sheikh Hassan Foundation for Culture and Science, is working on a project, and I wanted you to. Uh, not only tell us what the project is, but the best way listeners can learn more or get involved. Go ahead, Amal. Um, yes, um, we have been working on this documentary, and um, it's called Palestinian Children Under Fire. We're talking about the violation of um, human rights, of uh, children rights, Palestinian children uh, rights by, um, you know, uh, arresting them putting them under town arrest and we're talking about children mostly 15 16 and younger 
um, putting them under house arrest, which means that they cannot leave the house to go to school or to visit any of uh, their relatives or to play in, uh, uh, you know, with their um, uh, friends uh, in the neighborhood. Um, we're talking about expelling children from one area to another, from one uh, city to another. We're talking also about assass assassination of children under explicit shoot to kill orders. These assassinations have um, had lots of, um, uh, of, of victims. Um, it has reached as um, as high as 400 kids who has been killed uh, within uh, the past uh, two and a half years. Uh, that's why we are um, uh, focusing on this uh, subject. Uh, try to establish a national, regional, and uh, global network of human rights activists and organizations, international law experts, anti-war and uh, pro-peace organization to unite our uh, effort and to focus on this uh, subject. Amal, we have one more minute. I just want you to tell us how people can learn more about this and, and uh, uh, learn more information on this project. Okay, they can uh, reach me uh, by um, WhatsApp, and uh, you have the phone. Uh, if you want me, I can... Uh, well, do you have a website? Uh, uh, 970... No, 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 no phone number on the... Uh, sorry, no phone number in the air, oh. but do you have a website? Uh, yes, um, we have a website, www.shfcat. CS.org uh, and they, they, they can reach me at uh, WATAN1 free FREE at yahoo.com. Thank you, Paul and Amal, for joining us today. You've been listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, Objection to the Rule. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>